Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hey guys, we'll get to film study in just a minute, but I got to share this with you. Do you know what that sound is? It's the sound of me opening up my fresh can of Liquid Death. Make sure you guys are checking out Liquid Death. I love it. I've been drinking a ton of it lately. There's something magical about it. Somehow the water in a can just seems colder than any bottle I've used before. Make sure you're checking out Liquid Death. Pick it up next time you're at the grocery store. I love it. Hi, folks. We're back for another episode of Film Study. This is the second part of the offensive discussion with Childs Walker of the Baltimore Sun. Childs, how are you doing? 
I'm doing well. We're uh, we're we're rolling along. We're we're, we're going to talk some offensive line now, right? We're going to talk some offensive line. How yeah. about that? So uh, so so we're gonna we're gonna flip it around, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna set you up. <laughs> That's, I, that sounds great. That's right. the that is the Sarah Ellison method, and I re, I re, do really appreciate it. <laughs> um, so we we've I, I think we've already alluded to the importance of the tackles and their disappointing play on Sunday. So so I, I guess. I guess we'll start there. I mean, Falele has 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 been a huge storyline the last two weeks. So, uh, tell us uh, tell us what you saw when you graded him. Yeah, I mean, a good second half against the Patriots after a pretty disastrous first ten plays. We allowed a couple sacks. Uh, honestly, did not really pick his game up much from the average of both halves last week against the Patriots. Finished with a high F. I'll break it down a little bit for you. Thirteen missed blocks, uh, which is a lot. Uh, he allowed uh, two pressures, one plus two times a half, a third of a quarterback hit, uh, parts of two sacks, both a third in those cases, and an uh, illegal downfield penalty. That was, by the way, one of the things I saw with Fale that he really needs to watch very closely. One of two things that, that are, are huge technique issues. He releases much too quickly into level two. Uh, some of that's even on a run play, but it's, it's, it's more serious when it's on a pass play. Illegal man downfield penalties, very costly. I'd much rather a player false start. A false start is five yards with no optionality for the defense. Key element. A five-yard penalty with optionality for defense can wipe out a big play or accept a sack, or might be any number of other things. So it's it's five-yard loss at the best, is the way I, I often put it. Uh, so anyway, there's, oftentimes people make no distinction between a, uh, a, a various five-yard penalties, but that's a that's a, a pretty severe concern for me. I, I, I'll bring up one other thing, and then I really want to hear your comments on this and yeah. talk about Ronnie Stanley a little bit, is I, I, I at least looked like a fairly passive blocker still. I, that was one of the things coming out of Minnesota that he never really mastered was, although his feet weren't terrible, never really struck uh, the way he should. Uh, and, and there's two components to that. One is really getting his hand on a pass rusher to disrupt his pass rush plan, but also because people always try and beat him with speed, it's just the natural way you want to beat this guy to the outside. Feet are not quite quick enough for good edge rushers, and edge rushers want no part of bull rushing him. He's just much too big. He's got to become a guy who wins with length. And to do that, he's got to be able to put a hard shove on a pass rusher once he's lost that edge to speed. He's got to learn to do that effectively. Um, Ronnie Stanley could do it in very long arms. Uh, Orlando Brown and John Ogden, two guys who really use their size and length extremely well in Ravens uniforms. And I, I think that's one of the big potential areas for growth for Fowl lately. Yeah, I agree. And I I do – I will say, I mean, going back and watching the game on the All-22 – I, I found myself a lot harder on his performance than I had been watching the game live. At the same time, I do think you, with, with him, you have to step back and take in the whole narrative a little bit, which mm-hmm. is that, I mean, he, he was thrown into a position that he, he never played in college. Um, I mean, in this game, he was in there against, I, I don't know if it's the best group of edge rushers in the NFL, but it might be, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's right up there. Um, you know, just, just, just a very difficult situation. And I, I mean, I don't think their offense did not collapse because of him. I, as, as, as I guess, I guess what I, I would say, I mean, he, he's able to have his composure enough in that difficult a situation um, that you certainly see some promise going forward there, you know, especially combined with some of the physical traits that, that you did mention and that are obvious to anybody who's, who's, who's watching football. Right. Um, so I do think you can take, a lot of positives away in a very big picture sense, even though there's a lot of stuff to 
pick at when you actually look at him play to play in this game. I, you know, that's that's what I that's how I ended up thinking about it after watching the game live and then watching it again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I, th- I think all fair statements there, and and I think. You know, even though he's got an F and it's been a kind of a, a just a, a little bit below the line F and then a just below the line F basically in this game. Um, I It's not just that little bit of growth. I'd say that that um, fall off the table performances are not completely uncommon, meaning scores that are in the 30s and 20s. And, and you know, he, he's been in the 50s in both games on an adjusted basis. I think he did play against a top quality unit here. I gave him a big adjustment in his score that re- is reflecting that. Uh, so, so at least that's accounted for in in a sense. But, uh, but I think we have seen some some positive things, and I think that Roman is making some good adjustments to maximize his play. So, one thing you almost never see from a left tackle is a lot of blocks from level two. Well, he had nine blocks in level two in this game. Now, what does that mean? They're asking him to do it means they're asking him to down block a lot on the defensive tackle instead of blocking an end, and right. then move up into level two and make and make a block. And he's been pretty good at that. Uh, pretty good about making contact in level two. It wasn't perfect, but he made about nine out of twelve blocks in level two, climbing like that. Uh, so I, I thought that was positive. And and you know, the the one thing I was interested in, and maybe get your take on as well, is I heard Harbaugh's language about Falele, and he was struggling for the correct adjective to use and he came up with viable I, yeah I, he'd become a very viable guy for us on that left side I, I think you know that's a fair representation of a guy who's probably playing at the replacement level but not below it and you can you can you can definitely get guys who have negative negative value relative to the replacement level I mean the Ravens probably had that some of last season uh but they but they also have uh uh you know Fa'alele here and um I, I I really don't think so far he's been below the replacement level. well and I think that language reflects the fact that they did not think he was going to play at all this year. I mean, they, they saw him really as a developmental prospect and um, they've thrown him into the breach and, you know, he hasn't, uh, he hasn't fallen apart. And I think they, I think they really appreciate it. I, th- I think that I think the coaches appreciate that. And I think his teammates really appreciate it. I mean, Lamar was very effusive about him after, you know, after week three. And Morgan Moses made a point to to say that after this game, he said, he said, I went up to him in the, in the locker room and said, you know, that's, that's a really impressive thing you've done over, over, over the last two weeks, uh, you know, to, to, to do something that you had never been asked to do before in your career under these circumstances, you know, you should be really proud of that. And, and, you know, it have a veteran feel that way about it and go out of his way to say that to us. I, I do think that tells you something about how they've, again, they view the big picture of it versus, you know, some of the nuts and bolts problems that we talked about. I'm happy to hear about that from Moses because working off a tough game himself, going up to a rookie and basically telling him that is is a you know clearly indicative of leadership. Uh, you know, a, a, a guy who uh, you know is is secure in who he is as a player, but also can can you know tell other people's you know what they're doing well, and you know that hopefully sets it up so Falili takes coaching from Moses when it's appropriate in the future. Yeah, and it it certainly. You know, I, I think another positive about Falalele, he does seem like a very coachable player. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems very receptive to, to to coaching, both from older teammates and from everybody on the staff. And you know, whenever you talk to him, he goes out of his way to talk about how much he's learned from being in Baltimore, or even just these few months. And you know how how far he's come. I mean, you know, the conditioning thing was what everybody focused on at the beginning, but. Uh, I think now, the, obviously, the, the much bigger concern is his learning curve as, as, a, as a technical lineman, but he at least seems to very much have the right mindset about it. 
I, I hope one of the things that Harbaugh will talk to him at the end of the season. I know he has a he's a he's a breakdown meeting with every player at the end. Right. And, and there's no doubt Fall Lilly's capable of of a lot of in season progress just based on what we've seen here and the and how he looked in the preseason and whatnot. I think there's there's certainly been progress been made, but um, I hope they'll they'll tell him to get off season offensive line coaching because it's just it's clear he really hasn't had much of that. Uh, the independent hand usage is something I'm big on. Uh, he's playing with both pinball flippers at the same time, pretty much on every play. And he just is not good at doing that and and being able to to do some of the shoves I talked about, but also be able to strike and and uh, and get a guy off his pattern. It's very dependent oftentimes about not losing your balance and going with one hand as opposed to two or going, you know, one flipper at a time to to, to go after your opponent. So I, I hope they, they give him that advice and it won't be a Ravens coach teaching him, but I think he'd benefit from anyone. And when you have Lamar Jackson on the team as the North star of offseason coachability, you know, this should be a guy who would take advantage of that, of that same thing. Cause he's got a really bright future. Follow, follow you mean? Yeah. 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 No, no, I agree. And, and I mean, all the stuff you talked about the hand, the, the hand and arm stuff. I mean, that's going to be particularly important for him because he's never going to have the dancer's feet. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's never going to have those, you know, incredibly light feet for a huge man that you see from, you know, a premium left tackle. So all the other stuff is that much more important. Yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely. He probably fits more into the Orlando Brown mold of of being a guy who could who can win with length as opposed to yeah. as opposed to feet. Um, all right. Uh, I did want to ask you about Ronnie Stanley. So right. Get your thoughts about his right. likely return. Right. Um, well, that's the that's been the big question for several weeks now, right? And and uh, I know people fan, fans really got their hopes up. I think going into this last game because. We talked to Ronnie for the first time in a very long time on, on, on Thursday. And he was extremely upbeat about the way he was feeling, you know, said, said, you're going to see me out there soon. Could be this week. Um, and, you know, certainly all the signs were positive. I mean, he was practicing in full uh, multiple days in a row for the first time. And so there was, I think, a sense that last Thursday, I mean, not, not last Thursday, last Sunday could, could, could be the game didn't, didn't turn out to be. And, we haven't gotten sort of a detailed rationale for that yet. Why, why he ultimately decided it wasn't the right time. Uh, but Harbaugh has said time and again, that this is really, it's Ronnie's decision. Ultimately. I mean, he's got to feel like he can be the Ronnie Stanley that he used to be. And that's, that's what Ronnie said as well. When we talked to him, I mean, he, he said, I've just, I, you know, I, I've, I've got to know that for myself. And so obviously he didn't get to that point. For Sunday, um, I don't know if the weather might have factored into that a little bit. Ask. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to wonder that. I mean, you know, when we asked Harbaugh about that on Friday, he said, "No, I don't think that's going to be a factor in who plays and who doesn't play." But you do, you do have to wonder. You know, was that was that a little little thing in the corner of, of Ronnie's mind? Uh, but I would think there's a good chance he plays Sunday night. Um, just did, because... did anybody happen to notice if he came up and warmed warmed up on Sunday? Because that would have been an indicator that weather was a was an issue. Uh, I did not see him on the field before the game. No, no. Um, so I mean, but look, it's, it's really been the same thing all season. He's going to be, he's going to be week to week until he's not. And Mm -hmm. there's, there's obviously a complex decision going on inside of his head. And I, I, you know, we can only get into, we can only get in there so much. So, I mean, that's when it, it's, it's not going to happen until it happens, but I, I would, I would have to think there's a good chance that it'll be the Bengals. Okay. He's, he's the big domino boy. If he comes back, yep. Yep. Uh, so many things are, are much more right about this offensive line. You know? Yeah. Including yeah. Well, the backup at tackle. I mean, that, you know, 
Well, right. I mean, we've talked, we've talked so many times. I mean, there's, there's been such a domino effect whenever, uh, whenever they've, they've had these, these injuries. And I mean, he's, he's the biggest domino. Um, so, but anyway, I mean, we, we, uh, we should talk about Morgan Moses. How did you, how did you grade sure. him? Let's ju- jump over the right side here. And Morgan Moses had a, had a tough game. Uh, lots of pressure events, five pressures. It's really four plus two times a half, two thirds of a quarterback hit. He had one third and two third responsibility for the two sacks. So not good in that sense. I had a much better game as a run blocker. He had three blocks in level two, two pancakes, went three of three on pulls. Um, one of the things is when the Ravens run a counter play where a tackle trails, I don't make the tackle have to actually find a block because a lot of times they won't. And what they're doing is more making making that play for deception. He he made he found two blocks and they were high quality blocks. Uh, and and one time he got a courtesy point and that was okay. He, he had four highlight blocks which led the team. So even though he's having a tough tough pass blocking game against you know Rousseau and Miller and Shaq Lawson and all of the people you know that the, that the Bills can present you with on that side Epinesa um, it was still a pretty good uh, run blocking game for him did some positive things there he came up six points short of passing at a point 54 uh, and he's still getting some help from eligible receivers now Moses had gotten a lot during the early games of the season so even though he, he graded pretty well the first three games, an A, a B, and a C in the three games, a lot of that was with help, and, and I think we saw some of the some of the difficulties against really quality edge players in this game. Well, I I've, I thought he had some tough moments on those really higher leverage plays right at the end of the game too, and and that you know that last uh, that 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 last series that ended with the with with the interception. Um, I think on the on the second down play, which was a handoff to Dobbins. Yes, that was I him. thought I thought I thought he yeah, he missed a block and that kind of led to a chain reaction that led to Milano coming in free and, and taking Dobbins down for a loss. That 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 was a certainly a significant play. And he was part of allowing the pressure to get to Lamar quickly on fourth down. Uh, I don't think he was the biggest culprit, but no, that was Fallelu was the big culprit on that yeah. one. I actually, I, after many reviews of that play, I gave Stanley the block. Um, if the pocket was basically broken by the time he lost his guy, and Fallelu had had, okay. f- had allowed the flush, but the play before the run, he he shared a pressure with Zeitler uh, on that nine yard play that got him to the one. I was actually my head was screwed up at that point. I thought it was first and goal at the one they had. Uh, but that nine-yard play, of course, was was on first down from right, 10. So, and so, so yeah. second and one. Yeah. 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 And um, then that, that three yard loss, boy, that was terrible. Yeah. So so he was uh he was part of what went wrong at the end for 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 sure. Um so uh the guards, it's I, I think you know the consensus was that Ben Powers was a was a bright spot in this game. what was your uh your yeah, grade he, on him? He was the best of the Ravens linemen in this, and he's probably been the Ravens' most uh, consistent lineman now for the year, although it's close between him and Zeitler. Uh, 1.5 pressures in this game. He made four out of the six pulls. One of the things we noticed last week was that the the Ravens had changed the handedness of their run game, meaning that nor- they're normally a very heavily right-handed um, run team, which means their left guard pulls right and their right guard opens the front gate, uh, and which is you know important and different set of responsibilities for the two guards, but they returned to more neutral in terms of being left-handed, right-handed in this game with, with powers making four of his six pulls last week, uh, 14 pulls left by Zeitler. And uh, I don't remember the number for powers, but it was much less than that, but in five. Uh, so they really had, uh, had switched it up. Uh, one of the things I noticed about powers is that uh, he's oftentimes put in the position where he doesn't have an opponent to block uh, after he's, Sometimes not even after he's disengaged with the center, but but Linderbaum will pick somebody up and he'll be looking for who to block. And, and it's, it's a help block situation. 
with Fa'alele in there right now, he really needs to be quicker noticing his health block opportunities to his left. So that means he has to process quickly from center out to left tackle. That's something that Ben Cleveland, by the way, is very good at. Uh, and and really should be you know Ben Cleveland probably the better pass blocker than Powers right. and would be would be something that uh, that might initiate a change or a sharing of playing time but uh, you know given how Powers is playing I don't see that happening soon I think Powers has played well enough that that you know he's earned the right to fail for at least a couple of weeks before any sort of a change would be made with Cleveland and then I I don't really have a sense at this point of what the relationship between Cleveland and Harbaugh is I was wondering if you maybe knew more about that. You know, that's, again, something that I don't think we've really talked about since training camp. Um, You may start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, that's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is this water called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Those aluminum cans it comes in are recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities, so they won't just end up in your local landfill like plastic bottles. Go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find Liquid Death re- retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com front slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com front slash film study. I mean, the, the conditioning thing, you know, not passing the condition because obviously set him back. And I think there was a sense that the arrow was pointing down for him a little bit, even even before that. Um, I think he did. He did make some ground back with the way he, he played in the preseason um, mm-hmm. and, and some of what he, what he showed in, in training camp. And as you said, there, there, there are obviously some, some traits there that would make you want to have him on the field. Um, I, I still think the bottom line is they just trust powers more. Mm-hmm. Um, they've, they've seen him do it over multiple seasons. They, they think he's at least an average NFL guard and they trust him to be that week after week. And they're not looking to create more uncertainty for themselves right now. <laughs> well, I mean, that's and that's a fair way to put it. I mean, it did look like Powers was the starter based on how he was treated in the preseason, not getting a lot of snaps and whatnot. But it also looked like they had a role for Phillips and they cut Phillips. You know, it's it, just in, in terms of what was going on and him starting at left guard while Powers was starting at right guard, at least in one of the preseason games might have been both. It, it was it was looking like. Phillips might still be the left guard. Then, of course, they go back to trying Phillips at tackle. Uh, he didn't even play terribly there. They keep 11 linemen. They're unable to trade him. I was, just, I was surprised by that whole sequence of events. But I, I, first of all, tell, tell me how you felt about the Phillips situation, maybe, because we haven't had a chance to talk about it since he's, he's departed. I was surprised, too. I mean, it was, that, was, that, was one of the, that was one of the biggest surprises, maybe the biggest surprise to me, you know, with the way things played out at, at the end. Um, but it comes back to, I think what I just said, they, they, they did not feel they could count on Phillips to perform week, week, week to week to be the same guy, you know, three or four weeks in a row. I mean, it was, they, they felt like there was always, always something holding him back. And I don't think they feel that way about powers. I mean, I'm sure that I, I mean, you always feel like they would like someone to come in and clearly beat powers out, but when that doesn't happen, they at least know what they're going to get from Powers. I, 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 don't, I don't disagree with that logic. And yet you have a second-year player in Cleveland who is an enormous man and has some extremely positive traits. And you have a fourth-year player in Powers who the Ravens are about to lose. 
And I, I always feel like it's really bad football to let your your you know potential quality upside guys not get any playing time in year one or two. And you know, Cleveland got a little bit of playing time in year one, but it wasn't a lot. Right. And and uh, you know, this year I really figured him to be the 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 the, the um de facto is not the right word, but the presumptive starter yeah. Uh, yeah. going into this year. And and that's just not the way it played out at all. I, he came back married and and you know, this is not something he's normally done, but they adjusted his weight on the roster. I don't know if you guys checked that up to 370 pounds. So that had to be a weigh-in thing where they're trying to send him a message. Because if if it was another player, if it was Adams or Syracuse in the old days, or probably some other players as well, they just wouldn't change that weight. Last year, Ricard was playing much lighter than, you know, 305 pounds or whatever they have him listed at. They had him still at that. Uh, probably was weighed about 270, yeah. I would guess. But, uh, you know, they, they don't change weights very often. It's almost like Harbaugh told him, make sure you change his weight. Now, I will say it was interesting, um, the way that Harbaugh talked about him, even when he, when he was failing the conditioning test, um, we, we've seen Harbaugh be very hard on guys mm-hmm. who come into camp out of shape in the past to talk about them publicly in a way that he normally does not talk about players. Um, he didn't do that with Cleveland. I mean, he he said... He said, you know, he'll figure it out. I think Ben's going to be fine. I, you know, I, I still believe in Ben long term. So, I mean, that was actually a more positive public message than I expected, given the circumstances, which certainly tells me that they have not written him off um, in the big picture. But look, I just I, I think that they think they're trying to win now. And Powers is the guy they feel most comfortable with trying to win now. I, I think that's as simple as that. That's that is a uh, that's a, that's the way they really need to go at this exact juncture in Ravens history. So I, I I agree with that, and I think he'll Cleveland will get his playing time because offensive linemen don't hold up for the whole year uh, very often, and there should be an opportunity for him to play at some point this year. Uh, they may also find a way to get him into the back end of games where they're decided a little bit early as well. Yeah. Yep. Um. So we should, we should talk about talk about Tyler Linderbaum, who I think probably had the best game of his career in Week Three. Mm-hmm. Um, had a tough, a little bit tougher time this week with the penalties, but beyond the penalties, what did you see from him? Yeah, a really good blocking game that was really ruined by those three penalties for 20 yards. And, and in, in my system, and honestly, in terms of weighting real value of what's going on, it, it'd be very hard to call this a good game from Linderbaum. Uh, you can say it's an it's a green arrow up for you know potential future play, but he's now all of a sudden vaulted into second on the team in penalties behind Stevens with three and uh and the offensive line hadn't had a whole lot of total penalties he was party to one run penetrations so that was only a half share that was his only negative event he otherwise he missed uh it was three or four other blocks let's see four other blocks uh so very good i think he's playing with a lot better balance than he did in the first two weeks one of the things with linderbaum is a you know don't want to con- continually get back to the size problems but whether it's length or whether it's size he's off balance a lot because and on one leg because other players are bigger slash longer than him and that i've seen reduce in the last two weeks that's been really good so if if he's learning to the tricks that will work out of his bag of short arm tricks that's fantastic because that's that's exactly what he needs to do to excel in the nfl well and that's probably also something where his all-around athleticism helps him make up for that to some degree wouldn't wouldn't you think I think that all short arm players basically go through the deficit through their whole football career. So whether you're Marshall Yonda or you're Kelly Gregg or whoever you might be, you come up with the set of tricks because you have to. Right. And they work until they don't. So so at some point in the NFL, they may not work. And Marshall Yonda is in the Hall of Fame effectively. 
and right. and and they've worked you know for long enough. Lots of other promising centers have come to the to the National Football League, and it's not worked out at that point. And more important, it, it's at center. I think it's less important. At, at, if we were tackle, and he was having these kind of problems, and we've seen that from a fair number of short arm tackles entering the league the last couple of years. Uh, that it that it just hasn't worked out, and and that's it's to be more expected there. But my my fear about Linderbaum has definitely receded with these last two games. He's mm-hmm. he's been a lot more in balance, looked a lot better, and we're still getting a lot of the mobility. He had five level two blocks, made all three of his poles here. Uh, he's always way out in front of a screen pass, which is something Ravens had haven't had from their elephant like offensive linemen in the last few years. They you know they've gone for the bigger, more physical players who can push people around the line of scrimmage and win double teams easily. And Linderbaum is a is a new player in that regard. And, you know, one of the guys I thought he would he fit very well with is Tyler Beatty in terms of being a good screen pass matchup with him. Have you have you seen him? Le- have you seen them leverage his mobility in the run game much to this point? I mean, the, the level level two blocks are the big way. So yeah. so he a, a combination block. And, and I know, you know, this charts, but I'm going to try and explain it because yeah. we talk about it all the time as if people know. But a combination block, uh, two offensive linemen take the guy at the line of scrimmage and one of them climbs to level two after the player is teed up and Tyler Linderbaum is has two good traits there one is he's pretty good at resolving blocks quickly I'm not sure I've got my complete jury verdict in on that yet but I've seen him be pretty good at getting off and moving to level two quickly um and and uh and then make a block there and when he's in terms of getting and and finding a block in level two he's very good because Mm -hmm. he's He's a lot quicker than other uh, offensive linemen. And, and a lot of guys, even like Fa'alele, who's been pretty good getting to level two on these down blocks, he has a, a harder time connecting in level two. So Linderbaum's, it, it'll always be his biggest strength, probably. And always the biggest question is going to be, can he anchor um, in, in pass blocking the way he really needs to when he's presented with one-on-ones? Right, right. Which I guess leaves us with, uh, with Zeitler, who uh, is the guy we're sort of used to not worrying about. What did yeah. you... Uh, what did you see from him? I mean, two average games in a row not, that are average game is certainly not up to the Kevin Zeitler level. So uh, he had three level two blocks, but he had an offensive holding call on this one, a third of a sack and a half of pressure. So a C game for him, uh, not what we expect, but also right. not anything that I'd be worried about because he's he's had such long strings of good games in the past. Right, right. So that that covers the offensive line. Any any overall stuff you want to talk about with the well, line or? Uh, no, I think I think we're good for the offensive line. Unless you have some additional comments. Nope, I think we got it. Let's let's uh, go to the skill position player thing, and the, and the, we always let the guest go first. So pick a player, make some comments on him. I'll I'll kind of return fire, and then I'll pick the next player. Well, we talked about a lot of skill players as we went through the game, but we didn't really talk much about J.K. Dobbins, um, who, you know, in some ways, I guess, was the star of the first half in that he's he scored he scored two touchdowns. Um, you don't love the the yards per carry and it does seem like he doesn't have his explosiveness all the way back as he recovers from a very serious knee injury. And, you know, when, when I, I mean, I asked Harbaugh about that again on Monday and he, he said, look, that's, that's natural. It's to be expected. You know, we know he's still on a recovery curve. Um, but we, we, we think he's a little bit better every week. And I, I did generally think he did a good job of making something out of what he was given in this game. Um, hmm. Not a lot of not a lot of huge players, um, but again, contrasting him with what we saw from Drake and Davis in the first two weeks, um, there were a lot of plays on which he didn't have a lot of work to work with, and he did not make magic out of those plays. But generally, I, I think if he was set up to get a positive result, he got a positive result. What did you uh, What did you think? 
Yeah, I thought so too. I mean, the offensive line has to take some of the responsibility for what's going on here. Um, Dobbins is is uh, good with the mesh point. You know, he's good working with Lamar on that. He's had a whole season of doing that. They trust him. Uh, that's going to be one of the big things for trying to uh, stretch the field horizontally and really get Lamar the opportunities up the middle or uh, Dobbins cutback opportunities to one side. You can have counter. You can you can uh, threaten one side of the field with, and you can have a speed guy running jet motion. You could do it with as well. So they have a lot of options to to kind of get defenses to stressed out and moving out of position, making unforced errors. Uh, as as we might say to 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 create space, but uh, Dobbins has to be a big part of that. And uh, you know, it's it's uh, one of the things I you know I'll always remember from J.K.'s rookie season is him going through the mesh point, having the ball pulled fairly late by Lamar in a game. I think it was against Washington, and he's running right on the play. He got a player to follow him, and all of a sudden his his arm goes up like this because he knows Lamar's got a touchdown. He's look Lamar was not that much past the line of scrimmage when when he had his arm way up in the air, cause he knew that's a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. So who do, who do you want to, Oh yeah. Let's uh, I guess we got to talk a little bit about Mark Andrews, a, a tough day, a two of five catches only uh, did tip the one ball to Duvernay, which was nice. Uh, he also drew two penalties, which were significant in that. I think they were both on the long drive, right? A defensive holding and a pass interference. At least one um, of them was. Yeah. I mean, he basically got tackled on the, on the, on the one play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's, uh, this was, if this is the worst game that Mark Andrews has, uh, that'd be a good thing because he, he really didn't have that great a game. But, uh, on the other hand, uh, you know, he's, he's drawing a lot of the attention from that defense. Uh, he, that should have created opportunities for others in this game. It really didn't. Uh, and I think part of that comes down to how effective the bills were with their four man pass rush. Well, and then another, another pivotal play that he was involved with, uh, the, the, the drive, I guess it was in the second quarter where, uh, where Lamar hits him right at the goal line uh, in, in traffic, you know, yes. really, really nice throw and catch. He gets called for a really ticky tack push off. Mm -hmm. And that ended up being a big deal in the game. Cause they almost certainly would have scored a touchdown there. They end up settling for a field goal. And uh, that was one of, I think two pretty significant calls that went against them as the, as the first half was winding down and, and, you know, set up the bills for, for their ultimate comeback. Uh, but, but that was, that was a big play. And uh, I think, you know, was not Andrews's fault. <laughs> yeah. We, we, uh, one of the, or, or at least it wasn't maybe much Andrews's fault. I, they, it would be difficult to do this because baseball has this clear ball and strike zone and they, they have those ump charts that come out that give you that number of expected runs difference. You seen those? Right. Yeah. Yep. And, yep. and, and you know, they're, they're fantastic by the way. And, you know, oftentimes it could be over a run in a, in a poorly called game that uh, that a bad umpire will cost you in terms of uh, you know being positive for one team or neg and negative for the other uh you know, i wish they had that for football or 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 maybe something about the leverage of the penalties that were called uh just to just to say what's going on cuz that and the roughing the passer obviously um uh, i i i was i'm upset by the roughing the passer i think they probably need new rules for that a review would be one way but you know what i'd settle for to start with i i want whoever is the official for that game, the referee for that game to announce over the crowd, Mike specificity of why it was called. Right. No. And that was the, that was absolutely the troubling thing because, uh, you know, my colleague, Jess Rebeck, uh, talked, talked to the official after the game and he said it was for head and neck contact and mm -hmm. you watched the replay and there was no head and neck contact. I mean, it, it pretty, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty simple. Um, I mean, you know, 
I understand those are tough plays to call in in in, in the modern environment, but that explanation did not did not line up with, with with what we saw. And then I guess I guess the other call that stood out uh, stood out at the time and stood out when I rewatched it was the uh, the pass interference that wasn't called on Demarcus Robinson. Yeah, Demarcus Robinson when yeah. when 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 they're driving, uh, you know, right 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 before halftime. And uh, you know, if uh, if they get that call, they maybe they extend the drive. Buffalo doesn't get the ball back and doesn't doesn't score a touchdown before halftime. So that. That's another uh, another missed opportunity uh, related to officiating. So it was uh, I, I this this I generally try to try to be very level about about the officials, but this was a game where I, I certainly understood why fans were frustrated about the officiating coming out of this game. Right. I, I I obviously I didn't like that play either, but there were other plays in the game where there was some contact and yeah. I just I just did I I didn't like that both of those calls went against the Ravens. I also didn't like the fact that. Allen seems to have become a quarterback who's claiming head contact anytime he gets knocked down. No, he asked for it. I mean, he's, yeah. he's asking for it every, really every time, every time he gets hit on a, mm -hmm. even a remotely close, he's, he's asking for it. I mean, it's almost like, almost like an NBA player. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> and, uh, every other sport that I'm aware of has flopping things have as rules for flopping. Now baseball doesn't have it because there's, there's no, there's nothing right. that's like this with contact, but, but basketball has it in terms of uh, embellishment. The NHL has a two minute minor for embellishment. Uh, the, you know, this, this should probably be a place where the NFL needs some penalty for quarterbacks who constantly call for this. I just, I, I you know, Lamar doesn't do it. And, and just, just freaking let the officials do their job is my first reaction to this. And, and if, if, a referee is truly being in, um, intimidated into making a call after multiple times calling for the flag. Uh, then, then this is a real problem. I mean, this is this is something that needs to be addressed at a higher level. Well, and obviously the problem is Allen. Allen has been encouraged to keep doing it based on mm -hmm. the results, right? I mean, why why wouldn't he keep doing it? Yeah, it, it, no reason not to unless there's a penalty, and and uh, and uh, you know that's that's obviously would be the second part of that. And you know, the, right now I'm so concerned about the Tua's injury, Tua injuries effect on the roughing the passer calls that will happen in the for the remainder of this season. Probably uh, is that I just I think we'll see more than we traditionally do just because of this this hor horrific situation with Tua, and uh, you know what's going on in Miami. Absolutely, and and again a clear headed analysis of that situation and tells you, I mean, that well, the, the hit, the hit wasn't the problem. I mean, the, 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 the hit that he took against the Bengals wasn't the problem. I mean, it was, it was the process that led up to it. It wasn't, it wasn't the viciousness of, of the play or the timing of the play. Um, but, but again, you know, it's, as you said, I mean, it's hard, it's hard not to, not to have that swept up in the overall narrative. What one of the things you could you could just say is that an on-field official is not allowed to throw that flag. That a hundred percent of the time that's dealt with by a replay official. But there would be stoppages in play that would have to be texted down. And say, hey, I'm reviewing this, and and you do it. Fans wouldn't like that, but it is a case where uh, I think it I think it's warranted. It's too hard a penalty to call properly. Uh, well, so and, and I know and I know Harbaugh feels that way. He's been very clear about that. He 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 wants it. He wants it to be a review situation. So okay. Yeah. All righty. Uh, I think it's your turn. Oh yes, it is my turn. Um, so we didn't, uh, we didn't talk a lot about Ricard. Um, and I didn't think he had his best game on Sunday, but it was a game where it struck me at least just how big a part of the offense he is now. Um, I mean, we see it in the snap counts every week. I mean, he's, he's on the mm -hmm. field. Uh, I mean, much more than, 
any of the running backs um, nope. <laughs> more than more than the wide receivers, um, almost as much as Andrews. I mean, he's 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 just he's he's a huge part of the offense. And so many times when they have a positive running play, he's the tip of the spear. I mean, you see it again and again when when you when you watch on film. I mean, he's you you could argue that he's the most important run blocker on the team. Um, and he has some. He's not a skill player, but he has some utility as as a skill player as well. I mean, he's caught. He's never going to be a high volume receiver, but he's caught every pass that's been thrown his way this year. Um, he's converted in short yardage situations as a runner. And when you think about uh, the fact that this is a guy who was a defensive lineman three years ago, it's 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 an impressive package. And I just just good to sort of step back and remind yourself of that every so often. Yeah, they, I, I I'm not going to give him any more uh, defensive lineman points. Uh, and and it's, been, just, it's, been, it's, been, long it's been too long. It's yeah. been too long. It, it's it's wonderful that he's made this thing. Um, you know, his his yards per touch as a receiver is is unimpressive. But frankly, a lot of it has been really important. Move the chains yards when they throw it to him. It's oftentimes you know Lamar is really trying to move the chains or make a big positive first down play for you know what might be six yards say right. that puts the right. Ravens on schedule. Um, but he's he hasn't been a big play guy. I'm not, we're not we're not about to say that. That third and one run. You know, I looked at that a couple times. That's very impressive what he did because he he was like a good quarterback picking his QB sneak part. And he mm-hmm. actually ran that ball off tackle. He didn't run mm-hmm. it right into the middle of the line and stick his head in where he could have maybe made it. But, you know, he ran basically off tackle to the left between, you know, in the, in the left C gap to uh, uh, to run that ball, which is just exceptionally different from what we normally see in short yardage. All right, I'll I'll pick a play. Davis entry for two plays at the end. Obviously, a really weird situation in a couple ways. Now, uh, Hill ran the uh, sorry, not Hill. Uh, Dobbins ran the ball on second and one for a three yard loss. Yeah, it might have been normal for him to come out of the game for a play there. I, I was really surprised that he was out for two plays because he's a large portion of your offense. You're bringing it coming up up on fourth and two. You can substitute him back in. Now you're, you're down by the goal line, so making substitutions is harder to do there, but I would think there'd be an opportunity to get him in. And Davis was not only invisible to the defense, you saw he lined up in slot left there and no one was covering him. But he's also invisible to Lamar, who yep. <laughs> basically looked left, acted like he didn't even see him, and then looked back to the right and uh, and was under pressure at that point. Yeah, and and it's a good question. I I don't know why he was in instead of instead of Dobbins on on fourth down. I really I really don't. Um, but yes, he was wide open. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that guy, you know, could have been he could have been the hero. I guess I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it would have been uh, it would have been pretty cool, and that's uh, certainly something. Okay, I, I think uh, anything else on da- on Davis you want to talk about? Not really. I mean, except he obviously could be in a more prominent role on, on, on Sunday. I mean, that's, that's, that's distinctly possible. And he does not offer nearly as good of a contrast to Dobbins as, as Hill did. So, I mean, it, uh, you, you would think it would make their whole running game a little bit less dynamic, but, uh, but, but, but I guess we'll see. Um, so I know we talked about Bateman a little bit. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if we, if there's too much more to say on him, but I mean, I, I guess, I guess the overall theme for me with him is just he's got to get the reliability component to go with the, to go with the spectacular component. I think there's no questioning his talent at this point. Um, He makes at least one really impressive catch in almost every game. We talked about the one early in this game where he's able to extend and snatch the ball out of the air, sometimes at a very difficult angle, you know, with, with, with a guy right in his vicinity. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he, he does that as, much 
he certainly does that more than any other wide receiver on the team. And you know, we've we've seen him as a as a big play guy this year. So I mean, he's got he's got all of the all of the upside components. Um, he's just got to be a guy you can trust to make those plays that he didn't make in the third quarter of this game. And and that's, that's gotta be there. And we saw, we saw it on the other side, you know, Stefan Diggs is that kind of player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, Although he had a drop at the goal line. <laughs> he, he did. He, he, he did. Um, but that's, that's, that's going to be the question with him. And, and if he, if he continues to have nagging injuries, obviously that'll, that'll make it more difficult. So that's, that's another, that's another component that comes in with him. Um, so, you know, there's been the error's been pointing both ways with him, I guess, through 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 the first four games is, is, is what I would say. Yeah. Availability, a, a big issue to me. But I also think the Ravens have had just a run of lousy weather for basically back about four years now at home. And, you know, going to games, you know, for, for basically since the Ravens came to town. Um, they've actually had very good weather here in general and in, in Baltimore, I'm talking about, yeah. they, you know, yeah. they go to other places and you, you never know what you're going to get exactly. But in Baltimore, you know, they've basically gotten dry weather. They've gotten so much lousy weather during the Lamar era. That's uh, really, it's really just sucked. I mean, and Bateman is one of the, the players who has, who has really been hurt by it. I think was, was probably in this game and he's hurt on two ends. First of all, you know, throws behind him a little bit because Lamar has a little bit of a wet ball to work with. And, and, you know, Lamar needs, he, he Lamar really benefits from from good weather. Obviously, he had his worst game of the year uh, this week, but but he really benefits from from having a, a nice clear weather. I, I'm going to roll into a compare and contrast co- component with Robinson because Bateman came to the Ravens as a guy who, at the top of the route, uh, was incredibly elusive because he could run a lot of routes. Uh, you know, he he was a guy who could put wiggle on an opponent and and make them miss at the top of the stem. I think in the preseason from Demarcus Robinson, we saw even more of that than we could have hoped to see from Bateman uh, coming out of college. Bateman, not a great hands guy coming out of Minnesota, lots of drops in his college career. Um, but but uh, uh, Dorcas Robinson, in, in particular in that last preseason game where he didn't get all that many snaps, got what about, got a, f- a few a few long plays, but the key one was he had an out and go, and he, and he, or out and up if you want to call it that, and, and he left the guy in the dust. He had a sluggo and he left the guy in the dust. And I know those are grocery bagging cornerbacks now who might not even be on a practice squad somewhere in the NFL, but they're still extremely impressive top of the stem moves. Yeah. And I mean, it's certainly possible that we'll see him get more opportunities to show that on Sunday. So we'll, we'll see what he does with them. We haven't, uh, we, ha- I mean, we have, we haven't seen that in the regular season really so far, but, uh, but Sunday could be the, could be the time for him. All right, Childs, absolutely tremendous fun talking football with you. I really appreciate you coming on, taking an extra time. I see we're at about an hour and 34 now, and, and that's, uh, that's, that's way too long. I'll need to warn <laughs> you if we're going to do that again. But uh, uh, thanks for making the extra time for us, and, and also thanks for being a good guy to talk football with coming off a really bad game like this. Oh, no worries. That's, uh, that's part of the gig, right? It's always, always a pleasure to be on. All right. Outstanding. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up with that. DMs are always open on Twitters. Uh, and uh, looking for that 25-minute topic. I always say that elusive 25-minute topic that we can delve into in some depth in that period of time. Oftentimes, analytics topics with slides. We can do that. Most opinion topics, it takes longer. That's fine, too, guys. I won't, uh, I'm won't. i not putting the clock on anybody. Uh, anyway, uh, contact me, and I'll get back to you very quickly on that. Childs, thanks again for coming on. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.